And we cannot really preach the cross if we do not preach the law, if we do not preach the very mirror that shows men their sin and their need of Christ, how can we ever tell them of the great and the glad news that Jesus saves from all manner of sin? Matthew 12, 31 gives us great hope. It says, All manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men. There is not a sin in the world that the blood of Jesus cannot cleanse. But we need to come to the Ten Commandments, and we need to come to this Seventh Commandment to recognize what sin is and the great evil of it. Welcome, welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Golliher, minister of our Free Presbyterian Church here in Cloverdale, and we rejoice in the opportunity to bring the message of God's Word to you today, wherever you are. The seventh commandment, thou shalt not commit adultery, or as we teach the children, no two wives. That just sort of simplifies the matter. And of course, we know that it was God's perfect will that man have one wife, and that they be joined together in marriage, and they become one flesh. And the Lord ordained this to be a picture of Christ and the church, that mystical union between the Lord and his own people. However, in a sinful world, we know that adultery takes place, and the Bible gives us this command, Thou shalt not commit adultery. And so we're to do everything to encourage the marriage bond that husband and wife may be faithful in their vows to keep to one another and love one another as Christ loved the church. That's the message today as we come to our preaching section. Our hymn is, At the Cross, At the Cross, Where I First Saw the Light. But now to the book of Romans for our question and answer. And to chapter 2, verse 1. Who is the man referred to in chapter 2, verse 1? The Apostle Paul says, Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man. Who is this man? Well, let's give some possible answers here. Is it the pagan man, or is it the Gentile? Is it the Jew, or is it Jew and Gentile? Well, we're going to try and sort this one out with these following points. In chapter 116, Paul was already addressing both Jew and Gentile. Chapter 116, and here in chapter 2-1, is a natural continuation of that address, giving a conclusion to the matters covered in chapter 1. And so he applies all that he's been saying, mostly in chapter 1 to the Gentile, mostly in chapter 2 now to the Jew, and he says to each, to all, to every man. And he says, Therefore thou art excusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest. And so he applies it to every man. In chapter 2, verse 9, the Jew is put first in this judgment due to the light that he has been given. Um, the more privileges the Jew received, therefore the 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 more evident that he himself is now under judgment for disobeying the commands of God. 
And in chapter 2, verse 10, Paul refers to every man and mentions both Jew and Gentile. Just, just read that verse. But glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good on the Jew first and also to the Gentile. And in chapter 2, verse 12, the conclusion of Paul's argument about God's judgment applies to all who have sinned without law. That is, of course, the Gentiles. They did not have the Ten Commandments. They did not have the law of God written uh, for them. And Paul goes on to say, and to as many as have sinned in the law. That certainly refers to the Jews. Let me read the whole verse. For as many as have sinned without law shall also perish without law, and as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. And so Jew and Gentile are put under this one heading, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's exactly where the apostle is headed. And you may know that text, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. Now, this is very important. God is establishing here in his word through the apostle Paul that sinners are under God's wrath and no one is excluded. Every man born into this world needs a savior. We all need to be saved and redeemed by the blood of Christ. And I want to apply that to your heart right now. You need to be washed in the blood of Christ, because you're inexcusable. You cannot say, well, I'm Jew, I'm Gentile, I was born this way, born that nationality, i born into this church, I believe a certain creed. We have all sinned, we all need to be saved, and therefore we need a Savior. And I trust you'll take that to heart, and that you will stay with us now as we turn to the message at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light. Back in Exodus 20, verse 14, you have our seventh commandment, which simply puts it, Thou shalt not commit adultery. Can there be any more ugly word in our vocabulary than that horrible, dreaded word, adultery? It's horrible by name, and it's horrible by nature. And to be called an adulterer 
Well, that would be the lowest of the low. And therefore, this commandment is very relevant uh, to us today. Our cities are debating the legalization of prostitution. This sin that the Bible is addressing here is sadly all around us. And there is no one, certainly in this country, that is free from the temptation, the allurements, and unfortunately, the more and more openness to the evil of uh, sex outside of marriage, adultery, breaking that very command and order of God's institution. The divorce rate in our society also is very sad. But not only in society, also in the church. I don't think the statistics are a whit better if you were to take in church-going people versus the general population. Then there is the awful impact that uh, adultery and divorce and breakdown of marriage causes upon society. Foster care, orphanages, children that are in abusive situations, children that are neglected, the heartache, the dysfunction that all of that creates has a tremendous and a, and a very negative impact upon our society. And I think it is the burden of all here that our children and our grandchildren be free from the carnage of broken homes, broken marriages, and the sins and evils that come from adultery. Also, we need to remember that the very testimony of the Lord's church is at stake. When preachers sin and elders sin in these areas, when church members feel, falter, and bring disgrace upon the testimony of the gospel, then the whole witness of the church is at stake. And so the upholding of the seventh commandment has to be very much a part of our church ministry. As you know, we are in this series on the Ten Commandments. We want to lay the foundation that is Christian. This is Christian ethics. This is learning the things that are right and the things that are wrong. And if we were to hop over uh, this commandment, we would be seriously neglecting our responsibility as a church, because the standing and the falling of the church depends upon its purity. And always remember that the purity of the church is a picture of Christ and his bride. And if the purity of God's people and the breakdown of this seventh commandment is widespread, well, that picture is tarnished. And indeed, the function of the Lord's church is very much in question. And so, we must pray, and we must labor, and we must endeavor that this commandment is uphold in the ranks of God's people. And we must warn. We must be that finger post, as we read there in uh, Proverbs 5 of Solomon speaking as to one of his sons, warning of the very danger, the evil, the harm, the consequences of breaking the marriage bond. 
And so we deeply desire that uh, this is upheld. Sadly, in our country, uh, those who stand for the purity of marriage are becoming a minority. But that is the stand of the church, and it becomes the ministry of the church. And we cannot really preach the cross if we do not preach the law, if we do not preach the very mirror that shows men their sin and their need of Christ, how can we ever tell them of the great and the glad news that Jesus saves from all manner of sin? Matthew 12, 31 gives us great hope. It says, All manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men. There is not a sin in the world that the blood of Jesus cannot cleanse. But we need to come to the Ten Commandments, and we need to come to this Seventh Commandment to recognize what sin is and the great evil of it. And, of course, the cross is the answer. This is not to preach hopelessness and to drive people to despair and say there's no hope, there's no help, but rather there is an answer in the power of the cross. And we know that where this gospel goes, there goes with it the power of God to heal, to help, to purify, and for the gospel to work in power. And just as it is said that there's nothing as bad as a bad marriage, it's also true to say there's nothing as good as a good marriage. And we must labor and work that we preserve and that we encourage and strengthen the hand of God's people as they seek to live married in the Lord. And it will bring great blessing, and it will bring great stability in the society, in the home, but also in the Lord's church. Now, I awoke this morning to a realization that I've got far too much to say on this subject, and I'm never going to do justice to it all. And I don't want to hurry through something and uh, lose the impact of God's Word. So I've decided, I've taken a decision already, I'm going to break this into two messages. And so we'll have part one today and part two next week. But let me give you the bird's eye view of all that I see involved in this command, thou shalt not commit adultery. Firstly, and we'll do this today, and that is the basis of this commandment. And then we're going to take note of the duties of the seventh commandment. If we're not to commit this, then what are we to do? What becomes the responsibilities of those that are uh, obeying the Lord in this area? Then there's also the boundaries of the seventh commandment, and there are quite a few of those. And therefore, I realize we're never going to get through all of these things, lest I weary you and there's another thing I want to do, and we talked about this at our men's prayer breakfast yesterday morning, and that is I want to preach the cross as we preach against sin. I want to have that healthy balance of holding up the surgeon's knife and 
the medicine that heals. Let's face it, we're all sinners. And if we take the standard of the Lord Jesus as he preached on this in the Sermon on the Mount, where he said that any man that looketh upon a woman hath committed adultery in his heart already, we're all sinners. There is none that is free from the guilt of breaking this commandment in some such area that brings the condemnation of God. And we need to know that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth us from all sin. So let's look at this horrible subject in light of the help of the cross. Let's look at the iniquity in light of the pardoning power of the redeeming work of the Lord Jesus. So we come now to the basis of the seventh commandment. And I have a number of things under this first heading that we need to look at. Uh, there's no way that God could have said, thou shalt not commit adultery, if there had not been already in place the institution of marriage between one man and one woman. As I look at the word here, commit adultery, in the Hebrew language written in Exodus, it is just one word, one word, and it's the Hebrew word na'af. And it means to break wedlock, break wedlock. This command, thou shalt not commit adultery, it has built right into it the basis of the ordinance of marriage. God has a way for men and women to live together in happy, holy matrimony. When we go to the New Testament and we look at this word, uh, we find that it simply means commit adultery. Uh, no point in me giving you the Greek word, but it, there, there's nothing more, nothing added, nothing complicated about the term. And so we don't want to muddy the waters and try to say, well, there's a question mark over this. Let me tell you, when it comes to this command and the seventh commandment, there are no question marks except our failure, our folly, and our tendency to sin. So this is a direct, open, simple obvious command, thou shalt not commit adultery. Now, you'll notice in the commands that this one is directly linked to the tenth commandment, thou shalt not covet. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. And surely that's really where this sin of adultery begins. It's in the thoughts the covetous nature, the desires of man, the, the deed, the act, the very uh, crime and the committal of, of adultery is based on the coveting, the desiring within the human heart. And so when the desires are let loose and go wrong, it leads to the committing or the crime of adultery. Now, adultery is the lowest of all crimes. It's theft, it's lying, it's lusting, it's coveting, it's murdering all in one deed. Indeed, as I looked into this, I got tremendous help from this book here by 
Thomas Watson on the Ten Commandments. You probably have never met Thomas Watson. He lived in the 1600s. He was a Puritan. And as with most Puritans, when they take on a subject and try and research it, they get right down to the details. And I discovered here that he has, in this treatment of the subject, 12 evils of committing adultery. Now, what am I to do with a preacher as a preacher now, all these years later, coming upon this information? Am I to say, well, I can't steal someone else's information. Uh, I need to get my own. But then my own wouldn't be as good as this. And I might not get it as well laid out. So what am I to do? But to share it with you as it is. And I just want to read you the 12 headings. I'm not going to read the whole treatise here. I want, to, I want to just read you the 12 headings, the evil, the harm, that adultery, breaking the marriage vow, stepping outside of marriage, and committing the crime of adultery, the evil it does. And he has these 12 things. I'll just rattle them out. It's a thievish sin. It is stealing what doesn't belong to you. It is outside your possession. And therefore, the adultery steals from his neighbor. Secondly, adultery debases a person. And he goes on to talk about reducing yourself to the very uh, state of the beasts of the field. And it is a use of your body that debases you and evidently harms you. Adultery pollutes. The devil is called an unclean spirit. And there is obviously in the uh, committal of adultery outside the marriage bond, the pollution, the sin of mind, the sin of body, and your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Remember that. In fact, we will come to that in our Bible reading today. Always remember, you're not just polluting human flesh. You're polluting the temple of the Holy Spirit. Fourthly, adultery is destructive to the body. And he quotes Proverbs 5:11 that we have read, and thou mourn at the last when thy flesh and thy body are consumed. And think of all the diseases and all the health issues uh, that promiscuity and uh, uh, adultery brings. Fifthly, adultery is a drain upon the purse. It's costly, and it destroys a person financially as well as physically. And again, the Proverbs is quoted here, by the means of a whorish woman, a man is brought to a piece of bread. Remember that it, it, it is destructive, and it's ruinous in these areas. Adultery destroys reputation. If you want to have a Christian testimony and stand up for the Lord Jesus, if you want to be one who shines for Him, then you will recognize the loss of reputation, and it, it, it can be a great while to regain that reputation. Praise God, we can. And I don't want to preach the cross in the midst of this. I don't want to just go down a whole list of negatives and say this is hopeless. I know many people that have recovered themselves from the deepest of sins. 
There's power in the blood of Jesus to wash the sinner white as snow. I think of David. You look at Psalm 51, and, and he talks about, Wash me, purge me, and I shall be clean. And the great blessing is that though these are great sins, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And then number seven, this sin impairs the mind. It steals away the understanding. And there's something perverted about this. And it really changes a person's thinking. And we know people who have fallen into this awful sin, and it just sent them crazy. They become mad. They're not rational anymore. They do the dumbest things that harm themselves and others. This sin incurs temporal judgments. And he goes on to talk about the law of the land and the ostracization and the loss of privilege that this brings to many people and so on. Number nine, adultery without repentance damns the soul. We know that unrepented sin will mean eternal destruction. Number ten, the adulterer not only wrongs his own soul, but does what in him lies to destroy the soul of another. Think on that. Think on that. The evil of committing this sin is not only harmful to you, but to the other person. It is, therefore, a great evil. The adulterer is abhorred of God. Proverbs 22, the mouth of a strange woman is a deep pit. He who is abhorred of the Lord shall fall therein. It becomes something that puts a terrible wedge between men and God. And then number 12, adultery sows discord. It destroys peace and love. And we know the awful harvest that happens in many homes when such sins are committed, the infighting, the jealousy, the uh, hostility, the hurt, the pain, and often the division and separation it causes. This, therefore, is a great evil. Thank you for joining with us here on Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Gulliher, and we learn here, of course, the importance of strengthening marriages. We need to be praying. We need to be on our knees, calling on God to deliver us from temptation, and that we may be found faithful to our marriage bonds and to serve God in that a covenant bond of marriage. So uh, I trust that God has encouraged you and strengthened you through his word today. And if this has been a word of warning, take it to heart. If it has been a word of comfort and reassurance that God's word is stand still and strong, then rejoice and go to the Lord in prayer. Lean on him that you might be guarded and kept by his now stay with us for these closing announcements. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. Call me, please, at 604-897-2040. For all the details of our broadcasts across Canada, go to ltbs.ca. This broadcast comes to you today from the Free Presbyterian Church in Cloverdale, located at 18790 
58th Avenue, Surrey, at the corner of 188th Street and 58th Avenue. Our website is cloverdealfpc.ca and there you can find gospel articles, links to our sermons, a gospel booklet called A New Beginning and a link to watch our services online. You're warmly invited to attend any of our Sunday services at 10.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. to meet with us as we worship God and to hear the preaching of His precious Word. We also meet for Bible study and prayer every Wednesday evening at 7.30 p.m. Our Sunday School for Children and Adult Bible Class meet every Lord's Day at 9.30 a.m. from September to June. You can contact us at 604-567-1091. Alternatively, you can email me at pastor.cloverdealfpc at gmail.com. Again, for all this information, please visit our website at cloverdealfpc.ca. Our burden is that you will hear and understand the gospel that will bring you to know the Lord Jesus Christ and his great salvation. This is Pastor Andrew Fitton. Thank you for listening today. And be sure to listen Monday to Friday at 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our one-hour church service as we worship the Lord through the ministry of His Word.